Welcome to AMDG. I'm Eric Clayton. Many moons ago, when I was but a first-year student at Fairfield University, I lived in Gonzaga Hall, one of the freshman dorms. There was a member of the residence life staff who lived in the building with us, and his name was, and still is, Jason Downer. Fast forward more than 10 years, Jason Downer is now Father Jason Downer, SJ, a newly ordained Jesuit priest and current resident of Saipan, the largest of the Northern Mariana Islands in the Pacific Ocean. I did have to pull up a map to figure out just exactly where he's currently living. Jason is my guest on today's podcast, and in addition to us reminiscing about our days at Fairfield and cracking jokes that I'll bet no one else is going to understand, we dove deep into what it means to be a Jesuit priest in this moment. Jason reflects on what it was like to be ordained during a pandemic. He shares stories of God at work in surprising ways throughout his vocational discernment. And he talks with me about what it means for a guy who grew up in Rochester, New York, to end up on the other side of the world, and in a much warmer climate at that. Ultimately, my conversation with Father Jason reveals the truly global nature of the Society of Jesus, and how a community can stretch well beyond geographic borders. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. And if you think you might be called to follow in Jason's Jesuit footsteps, check out BeAJesuit.org. All right, Father Jason Downer, welcome to the AMDG podcast. Thanks, Eric. It's great to be here with you. So you are um, newly ordained uh, Jesuit priest. You've been a Jesuit for 10 years, right? Yes. Um, but, uh, but you were just ordained in the midst of the pandemic. What was the uh, last month? What was the date earlier this month? August 8th. August 8th. Wow. And then uh, almost immediately, you got on an airplane and, and flew uh, to, to Saipan. That's right. I, I, and I, um, I, what listeners of our podcast don't know is that, was it 12 years ago, 13 years ago, you and I were together on an airplane flying a similar route uh, to Magis 2009 in, in the Philippines. Um, and you, you recently said to me that that was on that flight, on that, on that experience of going to this, uh, this Jesuit uh, uh, experience, that you uh, you're, you're originally kind of were beginning to think about your Jesuit vocation. So tell us yeah. a little bit about, about what it is to be kind of full circle, the, the, that, that you started, the, the call starts over the Pacific Ocean, yeah. and now there you are again. Yeah, Eric, I mean, it was, I didn't realize that until I was on the flight to Saipan, one of my five flights to Saipan, going over the Pacific Ocean, um, that I was accompanying that group of students with you and a lot of great students at Fairfield. And we had this wonderful experience of encountering students from around the world at, at Majus in the Philippines and in Australia. Um, and I remember distinctly being in this one gymnasium. I think it was when we were in Australia at this point for this evening prayer service. Um, and there was just candles were really well lit. And there were 2000 odd young people gathered in this room and I remember having this moment thinking like, boy, there's something, this is just, this is beautiful. God's at work in this. And as we're leaving um, these three weeks, I think we were there, um, flying across the Pacific and just having a sense of like, I need to contact vocation director when I get back because I love my work. I love what I'm doing, but there's something more that God's calling me here. And so that was the start of my vocation, really discerning the vocation to the Jesuits. And this was back in 2008. And then as so I'm flying this time, 2020, um, in the midst of the pandemic, midst of just being ordained, flying across the Pacific Ocean again. And that memory comes back to me of like, 
it was on a plane just like this where the Lord first spoke, not first, but spoke to my heart and said, Jason, you got to follow this. You got to start discerning this. Um, and it was just a real sense of gratitude washed over me. Like, yeah, I'm going back to this place where I felt alive um, and God's spirit just speaking to me. It was really, it was really wonderful. It was, it put me at ease as I was entering into an unknown part of the journey of, of priesthood and in this new part of the world that I didn't really have a lot of experience with. Yeah, I, that's an incredible story, and I, um, I'm struck. So, so just so to catch up our listeners, um, you know, you, I was a student at Fairfield University. You were in residence life, um, and and the, the we went to. Um, I forget what it was a world youth day, but there was a Jesuit yeah. component to it. So we were together. Um, and I wonder what, if you can share any reflections on, on what it kind of signifies in your vocation story that you had to go so far away, literally the other side of the world to have yeah. this encounter with God and then come back home, um, and act on it. What, what does that kind of say to you about, about how God is at work in your life? You know, I, I think that's, uh, sometimes I'm thick headed and, and God <laughs> needs to have these, these moments, these moments of conversion that happen very suddenly. Um, now there were all these little moments that happened over the course of my life that, that as we, on reflection, like, oh yeah, this is where God's words at work. But sometimes there's those, those moments that just stick out and be like, yeah, this is God's so present here. Um, and I can't ignore that any longer. Um, and so I, I, this idea of going away is just, I mean, I think it's part of the big Jesuit charism for me that I didn't really recognize at first. Um, mm -hmm. At the heart of it, the Jesuits are a missionary order. Uh, that was the first thing that they were doing when they were, they were gathered in Rome um, and they're sent out. Ignatius sent out his best friends across Europe and especially Francis Xavier around the world. Um, and I joined a province in the New York province thinking like, okay, I would be part of this East Coast province from Maine to Georgia, um, knowing that Micronesia area is part of it, never really thinking that my first assignment as a priest would be going to Saipan. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later, I think, but it's really, it really puts into my mind, like, this is a worldwide order. I entered the Society of Jesus, not just the province of the East Coast Jesuits, um, and that God is at work in the whole world, not just in my part of the world. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I wonder. Um, to, tell, tell us a little bit about like arriving in, in Saipan, like the, like the process of, of preparation um, that, that you had to go through to kind of get yourself psyched up from hearing this is this is where I'm going, um, yeah. and and then kind of getting on the plane because because keep in mind for those who might not remember, there's a worldwide pandemic going on as well. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. So. I thought we started talking about this in February. Um, I get a call from the a province saying, Jason, we're thinking of sending you to Micronesia for your pastoral year. Now, it's normal for Jesuits on the East Coast when they're ordained to do a full year of working in a parish, getting experience, learning how to be a priest, getting experience with that, doing the sacraments. Um, and it had never entered my mind that Micronesia was a possibility. So, um, at first, I was going to go to the Federated States of Micronesia and to the state of Pompeii there. Um, and 
that that sounded exciting. We have two schools in the area, one on Chuka, one on Yap, um, and I'd be doing some pastoral ministry on another island of Pompeii. And so as the pandemic unfolded, the Federated States of Micronesia, uh, Dan Carew mentioned this a couple episodes ago, they don't have a really strong healthcare infrastructure. And they knew that if they got the virus, it would really be unsustainable for the for the people on the island. So they closed their borders, basically. They're not letting anybody into the country. Even if citizens were traveling abroad, they have not, they've been stranded since March. Um, and so as March ended and April ended and May ended, there is no sign that FSM was going to start letting people in. So in late May, early June, we started talking about a backup plan. And that's when Saipan came onto the radar screen. Um, and there's a bishop here, Bishop Ryan, uh, who has loved having Jesuits on the island. There haven't been Jesuits here in a couple of years. And they have reached out and asked him if I could be there. And so he said yes, uh, which has been great so far. And so preparing for it, Talk to Jesuits who have been in the Micronesia area, who have gone to Saipan before. Uh, there's a great book, Making Sense of Micronesia, uh, that a longtime Jesuit, Hazel, has wrote. Um, and so it was, it was talking, getting experience, learning what, what people have done before, and praying about it, right? That's, that was a big thing of, because I I'm not an adventurous person at heart. Uh, um, and so preparing for this, a lot of it was about, praying with God um, and all the anxieties that I felt about it. Like, oh my gosh, it's so far away. This time difference. So like, when am I going to talk to my friends and my family members? Um, what am I going to be doing? How, what will I eat? Um, will there be Netflix? All these anxieties. These were, <laughs> these were worldly things. But when I prayed about it, there was that sense of consolation of God saying, of course, of course, I will be with you there. I am already there and I will be with you there. Um, and that's when I, when I experienced that, I knew like, I can't say no to this. I, uh, this is, I don't know what I'm walking into. Right. It's like that great Thomas Merton poem, Lord, I don't know where I'm going. Um, uh, but the desire to please you pleases you. Like I have no, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I still don't. Um, I, I've only been here a couple of weeks, but when I pray, um, and I've encountered the people here. I know God's God's at work, um, and that God's here in these people. Um, so that's what's prepared me, um, and uh, it'll be a year long of keeping myself being prepared as I'm experiencing this. So, I imagine it's a, every morning, kind of waking up and reminding yourself, God yeah. is here. God is, is yeah. still with me. God is still in this moment. Um, what yeah. are some of your uh, uh, first impressions of of the kind of work, and or or, or perhaps um, your first impressions of, of some of the, the Jesuit seeds that have already been sown that you're kind of now you know picking up the the farm tools and, and tilling. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, you know, I'm, I've been aware since I was a Jesuit novice, right? Those first two years of Jesuit formation that. I'm always standing on the shoulder of giants, of Jesuits that have gone before me. And even though there haven't been Jesuits here in a few years, there's a memory, living memory of Jesuits who have made an impact on the lives of the people here. So as soon as I got out of quarantine, I was brought to this rectory where I'll be living and mass was just ending. It was an evening mass. 
And all of a sudden, there are six, seven people coming in to say hello, like, oh, do you know this person? Do you know Father Joe Bellotti? He was here. He was at this parish. Um, and so there's this great sense of hospitality and relationship being so important to the people of God here. Um, and in my brief time, I've experienced that generous generosity, right? And it's it's what we hear about in this in this sense of uh, from like the gospel when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven in Matthew that we've been reading these past few weeks. It's all about this largeness of God, this generosity of God, and the people here are living that out in their daily lives. Um, just in how they've welcomed me in every aspect, um, making sure all all my needs uh, are are met. Um, and so I've been really, really impressed by that. Uh, um, I'll be working at a parish, and it's a, a cluster parish, so there's two parishes here, um, and also working with diocesan youth ministry. And so we're mm -hmm. still wondering what all that's going to look like, uh, but there's a great staff on the ground here. Um, you know, just like in the U.S., they have all the um, precautions in place, so masks being worn in public, limited attendance at masses, um, and making sure all the everyone's staying safe. They just ordered all the, the schools to go remote learning for at least 10 weeks here. Um, and oh, so that wow. that'll affect how we do youth ministry as well, because it'd be hard to gather everybody together. Yeah, I, of course. Um, so you're obviously alluding to the pandemic, and I, I wonder if we can kind of let's 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 kind of back up a little bit because sure. um, I mean you had a rather remarkable ordination, um, and, and all of your your kind of uh, fellow uh, Jesuits that were ordained this year are very remarkable ordination in that um, you know plans just kind of were were thrown up in the air for so long, and um, and 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 you know new ways of approaching the sacrament really had to be kind of thought out, and 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 uh, I wonder if you could share. Um, about what was it like preparing for ordination? You know this this um, key moment in your life as a Jesuit. Yeah. Um, you know, with the pandemic kind of you know slowly building and building. Um, you know, kind of kind of preparing in your mind, and then what was it like the that moment when you were ordained? That um, uh, you know, with yeah. your with your with your brother Jesuits. Yeah, you know, like so many people in the world, uh, maybe I can use. Uh, or everybody in the world, there was so much <laughs> uncertainty throughout the spring of what was going to happen next, right? Um, and that's how I felt with, with ordination as we were preparing for it. So as March unfolded in April, it became clear that June 13th was the was a date in the United States for every, everybody to be ordained um, across the provinces. And it became clear that wasn't realistic. That wasn't going to happen for us. Um, and then it became a question of what would ordination look like? Would we would be would we be allowed to have guests there? Uh, where would it take place? Would it be live streamed? Um, what was going to happen with it? So there was all this uncertainty going on around it, and. I was just living in a community of all people studying um, who just recently been ordained or people that are preparing for ordination. And so we're hearing bits and pieces comparing like, well, the West Coast province is going to do this. They're going to have four different ordinations happening and the provincial is going to travel down the West Coast. Um, like, what are we going to do in the East Coast? Um, just, and so it was sort of like waiting to hear from the provincial what was going to happen. Um, and ultimately, what was decided worked out really well. Um, we we were blessed to be able to be at St. Joseph's University um, at the chapel there because it had already been reserved for the 
first vows. Um, so we took over that weekend from them. The Archbishop of Philadelphia, Nelson Perez, was available. And so he agreed to, to celebrate the Mass. Uh, Dr. Mark Reed, who's the president of St. Joe's, allowed us to be there. Um, and so then it was just a sense of reprioritizing the expectations, right? It's the same with folks that I know that have gotten married through the midst of the pandemic of what's essential here. The vocation hasn't changed. The discernment to get married, to get ordained hasn't changed. It's just like all the extra part of like, oh, the big sense of hundreds of people would be gathered there. We'd have a full choir and brass instruments playing. Like that wasn't going to be part of it. And that's okay. Because what at the end of the day, what matters is that I knew I wanted to be a priest and that God was calling me to this and that God would be there. Um, and so we were allowed to have, there were three of us that got ordained. We were allowed to each invite 20 people. Um, that include family and friends and any Jesuits that we wanted to, to be a part of the day. Um, so my family, my parents, my sisters and their families, um, and my godmother and my one of my aunts and uncle were able to be there. And so it was right, the people that mattered most were there. Um, and one of my good friends agreed to be the music director. So there, were, uh, there was a four-person choir, which was just beautiful music. Um, and so that that preparation of just like, okay, things aren't going to happen as I thought they were going to be. And that's a, that's happening to everybody around the world. Um, but this day is still going to be exactly the same because God's going to be here. And what we're praying for, that the Holy Spirit come and be with us, um, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. Um, the Holy Spirit can't catch COVID-19, right? So <laughs> exactly. didn't, didn't so. Actually I, I wonder if it, it sounds like a, like a, a real like opportunity to practice Ignatian indifference, um, right? That I imagine yeah. you've spent a lot of yeah. years practicing. So how did, was that like the first thing you thought of? Or were we like, oh, geez, like this is, this is too on the nose. Like this isn't even a subtle, a subtle spiritual you know, moment. Yeah. No, Eric, you're exactly right. Right. That, that idea of indifference is something that I kept praying for. Right. And that's something I'm still growing in. Um, but that sense of availability of wondering, OK, and all the questions, all the uncertainties that were going on. Like, OK, yeah, I can I can do this. I can 20 people. Fine. That's going to be a great, great time. It's going to be different than what I thought it was going to be. Um, it would have been hard if they said no guests. Right. If I had to tell my parents, you can't come. Um, that would have been a harder thing to be indifferent about. Um, but luckily, I was not put in that <laughs> yeah. position. Um, but yeah, like that sense of indifference was really there. And because the day of, right, it, it was beautiful. It was exact. It was an ordination. Um, it was exactly the same as the other 10 ordinations that I was able, I've been to as a Jesuit. Um, but was there's also these little graces that came up because of this. I was able to witness my friends that I've walked with these past 10 years get ordained as well, which wouldn't have happened if we were all being ordained on the same day. Um, thanks to the magic of live streaming, I was able to be there and pray with them as they were ordained. Um, and they were able to be there. I knew they were there watching um, when I was getting ordained. So there was, there was a grace in that as well. Um, and then there was, that day of, right, there's, there's a couple moments that really stand out to me of um, before Mass began, the three of us getting ordained gathered together in the campus ministry office at St. Joe's with the provincial 
and the archbishop for a little conversation and just a chance to relax before the ceremony began. Um, and campus ministry has always been this place of home for me throughout my life, starting in high school. The offices have always been this these great places of being able to relax. So when I was in high school at McQuaid and, and when I was in college at Canisius um, and throughout my Jesuit life, the office of campus ministry has just been this place of home for me. So to be there at St. Joe's and be like in the campus ministry office, like, okay, this is nice. This is, this is good before starting this ceremony. Um, and then just getting to relax and chat with the archbishop and provincial just put me at ease. Um, and, but the two moments that stand out to me from that day are the litany of the saints where we're prostrated on the ground um, and asking for the saints to intercede for us. Um, it's just this, this, it's just this beautiful moment. Um, and then the laying on of hands. There were probably about 10 or 12 Jesuit priests who were there that day. Um, typically, there might be 100 or so. Um, mm -hmm. And the Archbishop starts, and that's it's really asking for the Holy Spirit to be with us and the invocation of the Holy Spirit to bless our ministry. And um, they'll, put our, they'll put their hands on our head um, as we're kneeling. And the provincial is the second person to go, Father Joe O'Keefe. And he had been provincial for about a week at this time. And so he comes and he puts his hands on my head. And I thought he was trying to like drive me into the ground with the force that he had his hands <laughs> on my head. Um, but it's just this beautiful sense of, of the whole ordination ceremony. I love that part of just that we're, we're all praying for this together. We're all praying for the Holy Spirit to be with us. And this is a sacrament of service at its heart that I'm going to be sent out into the world. Um, and not to get too preachy, uh, I think there's there's room for that, too, with like the, the other sacrament of service, which is matrimony, um, of how do we pray for the Holy Spirit uh, for, for couples who are getting married. And I think there's something there that we could do with uh, other couples who are married to, to bless the new couple. Um, as well, praying for the Holy Spirit to be with them throughout their lives. But I've gone off on a tangent, so I'll stop. No, perfect. I liked it. I, I like I mean, the image of, of the hands. I mean, you, you were saying earlier, right, how um, even arriving in, in Saipan, Pan, you know, you, you get a sense of all oh, the, 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 the those who have come before. And I know yeah. I, I mean, I've been to ordinations and I think that seeing the, that moment of, of all these, um, um, you know, priests kind of laying hands on, on, on folks, um, kind of really like, like you can see that visually. Um, so I'm wondering, like, as, as you, as you, you're, you're at the kind of the beginning of this, of this, of this new, uh, uh ministry, um, like what, like, like looking back at your, your Jesuit formation, what has prepared you, do you think for, um, what you're doing? Like, what, what do you, do you have a sense of like, I'm going to really reach into the well from, this this moment and that's gonna or is it all new or is it all or is it just that time where you and i were together in australia that maybe that was it that's the best <laughs> you know that's i think that's what it really is just following the footsteps of, of those, <laughs> those days um keep doing that um no i there's one thing there's so many things that have prepared me for this um and one part is uh, uh, a moment from my novitiate which my novice director gave me. And um, we were, we had just finished the spiritual exercises, which is a 30 day retreat. And we were preparing to go to Bolivia to do Spanish lessons there. Um, and 
I wanted to be a good Jesuit. I wanted to be a good novice. Like, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to learn all the Spanish in six weeks and I'm going to become fluent. Um, and not possible. Um, and the novice director before we left, Father Jim Carr said, like, yeah, you're going to Bolivia. And if you learn Spanish, that's icing on the cake. But you're going to Bolivia to encounter Christ, to encounter God. That's the priority. That's the real reason you're going. Um, if you learn Spanish, great. That happens. Um, and that, that idea... Or it doesn't. <laughs> or it doesn't, which it isn't in my case. Um, but that idea of like where I'm going, where I'm being sent to, wherever I am as a Jesuit, wherever we go in our lives, it's to encounter God, to encounter the living Christ. That stayed with me. So that's here like that's my main idea of like i don't know what i'm doing um tonight uh, i'm going to be doing my first mass here um and hopefully the deacon here who's great will make sure i don't mess up uh and they have wonderful altar servers as well to keep me in line but the real reason i'm here is to encounter christ and I don't know what that's going to look like. Um, it will be with the people of God, with the history of this place, um, with the challenges and be natural beauty that exists here. All of it will be an opportunity to encounter Christ in a new way. Um, that I, and I have no idea what that's going to look like. I, I just have to keep praying for that availability to be open to that and to remind myself that I'm not here to accomplish anything. Uh, I'm not here to to be like, I'm going to reform this youth program. I'm going to be the best homilist. No, like I'm here to encounter God in the people of Saipan, in the natural beauty of Saipan, in its troubled past. All of these will be opportunities to encounter God in new ways. Can you give us a sense of the culture and the history um, and, and the work of the Jesuits that you're walking into? Um, we've alluded to this kind of past uh, of, of folks have gone before, but what are the specifics and the specific concerns of the people and, and the needs of, 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 of the people there? Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, Eric, I'm still learning about that here. Um, so there's the main cultural uh, folks here are the Chamuro people, which are uh, similar to Guam. Um, so they share that cultural heritage. And then there's the Carolinians uh, as well as a small population. And they're more from some of the outer islands like um, Chuk and Pompeii, um, the Caroline Islands. And there's also been more recently a lot of Filipinos that have moved in. So those are like the three main cultural aspects. But the main one is this Chumoro population who've been native uh, population, indigenous people here for generations. Um, and unfortunately, as with a lot of part of the world, there's been a history of colonization, starting with the Spaniards. So this parish I'm at is San Antonio. Um, and then there's there was a German population and then Japan took over right after, right before World War II. And then the US came in after that. And there was a terrible battle here um, in 1944 between uh, Japan and the U.S. Um, and and so the U.S. has been part of this culture since then, um, and they have this uh, association. So the the Northern Mariana Islands are Commonwealth of the United States, um, sort of like Puerto Rico and Guam, um, right. where there's a there's a sense of protection there. So 
Jesuits have been in this area for about 100 years now. They started going to, uh, from the East Coast um, about 100 years ago. They, started, they went to the Philippines, and then they went to Micronesia. Um, and so a lot of the work here has been in education and in pastoral ministry. Um, and this year, right, we have these four uh, universal apostolic preferences, um, and there are four new Jesuits coming to the island. Um, and we'll all be working in different areas. So I'll be working with the parishes, which Jesuits have been doing for a number of years here. Um, and the people here know that. Um, and then also be working with one of our preferences is walking with the youth. Um, and so I'll be doing that as well. And one of the other Jesuits will be working with the social justice initiatives. And one of the Jesuits will be working with the exercises and creating a sense of uh, spirituality programming here on the island, which will help with deconformation and um, just general sense of, of prayer here. But the, micro, the Jesuits of Micronesia is a large community stretching thousands of miles and hundreds of different places. So there's Jesuits on Guam, Saipan, Palau, Chuuk, Yap, and Fiji. And I'm probably leaving out an island uh, or two. Uh, and Pompeii, where I was supposed to go. There are Jesuits there as well. Um, and so that's, that's technically one Jesuit community. Uh, and they're all doing uh, of service in the diocese, um, more so than you would see in the mainland United States. Um, and uh, pastoral ministry, education, um, yeah. Is there any, um, obviously you, you said this earlier about, you know, the Jesuits, like the Ignatius sent the order out, right? That was the original, um, you know, intent. Uh, are there any, um, uh, and, and you cannot say Francis Xavier, are there any kind of those missionary Jesuits, um, that you really kind of, um, look to or have learned something from, or are kind of keeping in mind as you approach this, um, this this work because this this is this is your longest time right as a Jesuit out um, yeah like on, yeah. on a mission like this right so it will be yeah yeah so I um, one person that's been a, a great uh, spiritual patron for me these past few months uh, and for a long time is a Walter Chizik um, mm. who was um, who had a desire to go and serve the people of Russia and um, in the Eastern Church. And so he was born in Pennsylvania and desired to do this, went right before World War II, uh, got caught up in borders changing, was arrested, um, and two wonderful books with God in Russia and He Leadeth Me. Um, but I read He Leadeth Me, his spiritual memoir of his time as a prisoner and living in Russia where, and he, unbeknownst to him, the U.S. Jesuits had declared him dead because they didn't, they thought he was dead. Um, right. And he wrote this wonderful spiritual memoir that I read on retreat, we read on retreat this past year. And just talking about the sense of deep trust in God uh, as he goes out into this unknown territory and constantly facing challenge after challenge. Now, I hope I don't face these challenges that Walter Chizik did. I don't think it's likely, uh, but, uh, but that sense of trust that he had in God, that God would still accompany with him, um, that God was still present in, in all these different experiences, these different missions that he wanted to be a part of or did not want to be a part of, God was there. Um, and so Walter Chizik has been on my 
heart um, and in my prayer uh, as I've been traveling um, as one. Of, and then in the mic for Micronesia, for some reason, because it started as New York province, um, a lot of people from upstate New York, especially the Buffalo area, have gone out here before me. Um, and I'm from Rochester, which is a about an hour away from Buffalo. So there's this deep sense of connection that these folks from upstate New York who were born and raised in harsh winters, uh, lots of snow and wind were sent to the South Pacific islands. Um, and, and so I would- Where it's a I'd similar say, climate, right? Where they just climate, they exactly, act exactly. very similarly. <laughs> yeah, a lot of winter jackets. Um, and, so I've been I've been keeping those folks that have um, from that part of the world um, to this part of the world have been on my heart as well. Yeah. Nice. What um, uh, what of home did you did you bring with you? And I'm I'm thinking specifically um, were there any books that you brought? Any uh, movies that you said I I, I can't you know, live without this movie this year? Any of those kind of really important things <laughs> oh good that question yeah the um, first season of the card you know i don't know if... uh unfortunately not that uh they don't allow disney plus here in saipan which is a big oh, uh, very concerned about that um no i hard time watching mandalorian season two exactly um i i brought my vow cross with me um and I brought uh, a couple pictures, one picture of me and my grandma, and um, she died in 2007. Uh, I was taken, that was taken a few years before she died. And um, then uh, a picture of me and my family. Um, I brought some books. I brought the exercises with me. I, I brought um, a couple commentaries to help me uh, for preaching uh, that my godmother gave me. And... Otherwise, that's that. That's about it. Like uh, I have one checked luggage and one carry-on, um, and then I I have access to to Netflix, so I think I'm good with movies right now. Um, and yeah, so good stuff. Well, yeah. I um I I just last question. What what are your hopes for this year? As you as you look out on on a, a year in a very different environment. Um, you survived your, your five days of quarantine lockdown in the, um, uh, you know, when, when you got there and now you're there. So what, what is it you're, you're really hoping that you um, walk away with in, in a year's time? Yeah. That's or leave, leave, leave yeah. the people. Yeah. You know, I, my main hope is that um, I spend the time here learning from the people of God, how to be a priest um, and how to, how to serve them better. Um, like I know God's at work here. I, I, I've, I would not feel this calm and consoled if, if God wasn't at work. Um, and so my main hope is just to keep, keep remembering that, that God's here and that these people are going to, Introduce me to God in new ways. Um, that's my main hope, um, is that I keep remaining open to that and available to, to let myself learn and unlearn and relearn how God's at work. Beautiful. Well, Jason, I appreciate you um, taking some time to talk with us on the podcast today. And yeah. uh, I will keep you in my prayers over the next year, maybe, maybe Thanks even beyond it. over the next yeah. year. Who knows? And, um, and yeah, be safe. 
And thanks, Eric. You me too. It was a pleasure being here today. Come on out, bring the whole crew. We'd love to have you. There's plenty I'll of definitely bring here. my ten week old. <laughs> yeah, definitely. She's number one on the list. So she, I'll just maybe just I'll send her by herself. I'll send both of my little girls out there, and you can hang out with them for a year. Oh, yeah, That'll give you good. That, I will. Yeah. All right. There it yeah. is. <laughs> All right, my friend. I appreciate right, your time. Take care. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Dara Sump, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, and me, Mike Jordan-Lasky. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits and Facebook.com slash Jesuits. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with a Jesuit vocation promoter at BeAJesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. (laughs) 